0: Welcome to the show. You're listening to the Hope Radio Podcast. I happen to be your humble host. My name is Sean Davis and joining me, as always, my partner in life, my beautiful wife.
1: Just Jen.
0: She just goes by Just Jen. So thank you for uh, joining us today and we are super, super. Excited. Excited. Yes. To um, share an interview that we're doing with a couple today one of your friends yeah and so we sent it out on uh, facebook and on instagram we're looking for people that uh, want to share stories mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. hope and encouragement right. and we're looking for people that may need help hope and encouragement mm-hmm. and um stephanie and craig yeah ...reached out to us and said that they might have some wisdom to share with us. And so I'm uh, really, really excited to hear their story... And uh, hear what they got going on and hear their message.
1: Yeah, they're both great people. She is amazing. Um, I'm sure you will see her, her, her light shine while she's speaking. And her husband is a doctor working on those front lines right now. So uh, pretty incredible people.
0: Like a, like head of surgery for mm-hmm. a hospital, like general surgery. So he can cutting, cut people open. And cutting
1: people open.
0: Put them back together again. Yep. All right. So let's get into the interview. We're going to call him right now and welcome him. To the show. All right. So I've got Stephanie and Craig Thayer on the line, and we're so excited to uh, talk with them today. And I think that they've got a story and a message to share that could be uplifting to others. So, Craig and Stephanie, welcome to our little show.
2: Thank you very much. Thanks. Pleasure being here.
0: Awesome. Well, um, first and foremost, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Are you? You, you guys are married? How long have you been married? You got kids? You know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Ladies first.
3: <laughs> <laughs> we have been married fifteen years. Um, I my husband was married before, so um, I got a crash course in <laughs> being a mom to three amazing bonus kids, and then we had two more together, and we. Uh, have done lots of different things <laughs> since our <we're laughs> marriage. But I, I used to work in statistics, and then I was a stay-at-home mom, and then I homeschooled, and I helped coach. And uh, my husband is a general surgeon; he's the head of trauma at a local hospital.
2: Old-school general surgeon meaning um, I got trained to do everything, not like the current graduates, which are much less experienced and yeah. faster and other stuff. Wow.
0: So, Sounds a yeah. general surgeon. So, I mean, you, you, you can uh, cut people open and put them back together again. I, I can,
3: yeah. I always tell people, you don't really want to see him. Yeah. <laughs> nope.
0: <laughs> well, congratulations on being married for 15 years yeah. and five kiddos. Man, that's got to be a fun it household. It is.
3: It is. You know, the older three, well, one is out of college, but two are, are they should be graduating, we'll see. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> this year. And, yeah, and uh, so we only have two at home, and it's really quiet. I Aww. actually miss having a, a busy house, yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, we, Jen and I, with four boys, I think we're feeling a little bit of that ourselves. Mm-hmm. Our two oldest are out of the house.
1: We just have the two little ones. Yeah. So.
0: And so we're a family of four now instead of normally a family of seven in the house.
1: Yeah. Seven. Or really? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Wait, surprise!
0: <laughs> surprise!" <laughs> Wait a minute here. No, I was thinking. You're of supposed them. To be good at numbers. I know, <laughs> I failed there. Well, um, tell us a little bit about. I know you mentioned uh, previously that um, you know life hasn't always been awesome for you guys, and you'd, you'd mentioned that you'd went through some uh, challenging times, and I just have a feeling that uh, there's people now and people in the future, um, given what we're dealing with this coronavirus, that are going to be going through some similar things, and so maybe you can shed a little light about, um, y- you know, that time of your life.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll start, because I think the, the lowest point for more involving my prior life before Steph and then with Steph going through dragging her through it so um, and again I hope my purpose in giving this info is to bring hope to other people that you know there is light at the end of the tunnel so Mm -hmm. um, I was married before Mm -hmm. and um, was divorced Uh, she filed separation and then a year later for divorce and the divorce took eight years to complete and during that time Wow you said eight years? Yeah yeah. there's four components to a divorce um, and the last one is, you know, the final all the, the legal mm. separation of assets and all that stuff and that took us forever. Um, but anyway um, so small community um, you know, a wife that knows a lot of people, business downturn, you think a general surgeon would never have a problem with income but <laughs> that's not the case for when you separate and then go through divorce, now your assets are divided in two. So you have to live off of half, half of what you had before or less. And um, I made sure that a happy mom is, you know, a, a happy mom to the kids. So um, I made sure she was well supported. And then finally, when I got the support amount, which was lower than what I was giving, that got adjusted. But she was always comfortable, but she was not paying the mortgage. And I got a call one day. From uh, also a credit card company with Citibank, <laughs> I'm like, I don't have a Citibank man. and I, I finally I, and then I got a notice of a filing against me for a different card, and I go, oh well, wait a second, maybe this is so. The first card was 14 grand, and the second card, when I called city I go, well, oh uh, okay, so the card is 4,000 over its limit, and back then it was 15 grand, but now it's 40 grand, so $44,000 oh, immediately. Although, you know, the credit card companies will work with you, but when they lower that debt, they now it's 1099 you. <laughs> so wow. You got to pay taxes on the for money. Yeah. So, so lower income coming in, you know, mm-hmm. cash flow in not there, maintaining overhead, supporting my ex wife, and um, I, there were two years that I didn't file income taxes because I couldn't pay it, which actually worked out to my benefit because if you don't follow, you're not on the radar screen, so they're not going to come after you.
4: <laughs> don't but, this, don't you know,
2: that advice. You know, <laughs> Jean, Good Steph, to know. Duly noted. Steph,
1: Steph, <laughs> Steph, write that down.
2: Beth has no idea about this at this point, but then she she catches on and sees these income things. And I mean, thank God for her because she just brought me through depth that yeah. the kids, the battle over, visitation. Mm-hmm. horrible. Um, you know, it finally took one of my kids to, to say, hey, you know, we're all lying. Because you, you meet with this MFT, uh, the counselor, and, and they go through and they determine. And part of part of what was the problem was I was a surgeon and I had initially no significant other. So I had no way of watching them at that age. Yeah. Because there's no one that could say anything, so I was on call. So
3: I, so I want to speak into this a little bit. So um, I, 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 we have an age gap. I'm younger than Craig by quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And I never thought I would marry someone who had been married before or had children. I had, you know, the perfect credit score, <laughs> very type A. And so as I, as I get to know this lovely man, all these things are kind of upside down. And then I realize, wow, you know, he does not have a perfect credit score. Um, and it was circumstantial. Life, there is so much that you can't control in life. You know, he yeah. and his wife had. Um, that you can't, he, we always call marriage a dance. If one person sits, there's nothing you can do about it, right? And yeah. and it was it was both of them. I'm not putting blame on her at all. But you find yourself in this situation. You don't get married thinking you're going to get divorced, right? So one of the things that has come out of this mess, because they were in court for such a long time and it took so much money, is that we have been able to pour into other people. Mm-hmm. Craig has sat with people that are considering divorce and really talked with them. Do you understand what this means, what that looks like for your children? I, I never thought I would use being a stepmom to help people. We, don't, we, we say bonus. We don't really say step in our mm-hmm. family because they're my children too, but of course I'm not replacing their mom. But there, it's very hard. It's very common now in society to have these blended families, and it can be really complex. And uh, so I, I just love how God will use our message mm-hmm. to bless other people. So mm-hmm.
0: yeah. well, true. If, oh, yeah. if you're willing, if you're willing to have the courage to share it, you know, I could imagine that there's a lot of people that go through a situation like that. And the only thing that they want to do is they want to hide from it. They want to get it behind them. They want to have it in their past. They don't want to speak about it. They don't want to talk about it. You know, they're embarrassed by it, et cetera. So, you know, I just applaud you for uh, really being on the front lines of carnage. And um, being willing to, you know, share with other people to, you know, impact them in a way that makes them really stop and think if this is the the direction they want to head in.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a big change. And I think the kids are the biggest thing. I remember my ex not wanting me to come to my oldest daughter's cross-country run. And so I hid behind a portable building at the school and, saw her go by and wave she knew I was there but um, otherwise she would have created a scene yeah Yeah. it was it was ugly I I mean it's like your your brain there's a subconscious level to all this stuff and I mean I was doing the Dave Ramsey thing where I'm paying the essentials you know water PGD whatever turns out I didn't pay one of the PGE. so (laughs) I walk into my place and it's cold and I'm like what what's going (laughs) on and the power was cut off because I hadn't paid the bill like you just Yeah, your brain checks out.
3: Well, and one of the beauties of this is you've now been divorced 20 years, and we all have a good relationship. Uh, We even have a granddaughter who's too. She's such a blessing. Mm -hmm. And um, we actually, through all this, we haven't talked about all of our myths yet, but we've been so blessed from all these things that we've been through that we were actually able to purchase a house four blocks from Craig's ex-wife for our daughter to live in. She's a single mother. And so they walk back and forth to each other's home every single day. Oh. Uh, so there's a lot of beauty that can come from the mess. It, sure. But you're right; if you're willing to embrace it. So, yeah.
0: so let, so let me cool. ask you: at, at the at the time where things seemed um, maybe the bleakest for you. Um, Tell us, tell us what that's, you know, where you were in this process. Were you together with Stephanie at this time? I mean, Stephanie, when did you come along in the process of uh, Craig's divorce?
3: So they had been legally separated for two years when we met and we got serious pretty quick. We got married a year and a half into dating. Um, And, you know, What I will say, there's so much you don't realize going into a marriage, the the things that you think are important that you pick in a person. And as you go through life, you realize all of these other qualities are very important too. And one of the very fortunate things is that I have an amazing husband. Mm -hmm. So we learned that we were being stripped of all these things that really matter to society, money, comfort, loss of control, which is very hard for me. But we still had a great relationship. And so we enjoyed our time together. I would, I'd go in the shower and I would cry and get it out Mm -hmm. because I didn't want the kids to see how upset I was or stressed. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of it is um, how, how you react to one another, because I know um, the number one fight in marriage is money. Mm -hmm. And if we start fighting with each other, we're not going to be any good to anything. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You get, you gotta, you gotta tackle it together. You gotta, I think that one of the big things is getting everything out on the table Mm -hmm. and communication, communication from the perspective that you got to get it out and, and talk about it. But I, I think you're right. You know, Jen and I went through something similar ourselves and, um, you know, pretty much everything that society would imagine or think is important to you, we got stripped of. And I even at one point thought I was going to lose my wife. You know, I was drinking, I was going through, um, like a 750 milliliter bottle of vodka every two days. Like I was, I was not in my right headspace. And, um, so, at that particular time, you know i just I just felt the weight of the world. This was in two thousand and eight and two thousand and nine so, as a former financial advisor at that time, um, i mean everything oh, yeah. when the when the stock market fell it's like chicken little, the sky's fallen, nobody wanted to invest money, nobody wanted to make any moves, nobody trusted anybody. And so virtually overnight, uh, my business uh, dried up. And, um, you know, I just I just sat there and, and said, we're going to lose everything. And I think the as a man as 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 somebody that's uh, supposed to be, you know, I'm old school, like I want to be the provider, I want to be the I want to be the figurehead. I want, you know, like the, the support comes from me kind of thing. And so I felt like I had failed and I felt like, um, you know, like how in the world am I going to get out of this? And to speak to your point, I'm intimately aware of what you can do and not do with the IRS. I went, (laughs) I went like five years without paying them, kid you not. And you know, like I, I got to a point where we had, um, you know i want to say like 500 grand worth of back taxes that i owed yeah, that i could not i could not pay and so you know, in the IRS, um, you know, they don't, when they finally get your attention, when you finally show up on the radar, they don't mess around, <laughs> yeah. you know, confiscate yeah. your money out we of your know. bank account kind of thing, you know, like yeah. there was one point where Jennifer yeah. and I were carrying around like 40 grand in a bag because it was the last 40 grand <laughs> I had to my name and I didn't want them to confiscate yeah. it, you know? And so like, I mean, I felt like I was part, you know, hoodlum and part like, you know, like, I don't know, but like you go through a, a lot of stuff and so- yeah, mm-hmm. gangster. There you go. A little gangster. Yeah, like I'm just hoping somebody doesn't, you know, think I'm, yeah. you know, a well, drug at that cartel time or, as
1: well. We had four small children. 40. Yeah, so that was a struggle in itself. You know, like we're trying to manage yeah. everything, and we have these four babies. So it was, you, you, it got, was you got a
0: house that you're trying not yeah. to lose, you, you know, you're contemplating what are the options. Yeah. And and at that time, you know, it, bankruptcy didn't even solve my problem with the IRS. So it just really yeah, no, felt right. very overwhelming, Yeah. you know, and, um, I, I, I can hear that you can speak to that as well.
1: <laughs> yes.
3: So, so Craig started laughing when you said they take your money. So we, um, we, so we've taught financial classes. This is hilarious because I know you're a big finance guy. And we have taught financial classes because we've done everything wrong. And so when people say, I've got this and that. I'll tell them, well, the IRS is nice for a while. You definitely need to pay the state. They're very mean.
0: The state Um, is aggressive. The state don't mess around. Don't, you know, if you're going to prioritize one over the other, pay the state before you pay the IRS.
3: (laughs) So my, um, my grandfather had passed away and gave us a little bit of money. And so we, during this time, it was actually in 2008. And so we had saved that money. We had decided we wanted to take the kids to Europe. So, we had set it aside, even though all this chaos was going on. And, uh, one morning we wake up and we have no money in any of our accounts. So they drained everything. Uh, and, um,
2: before we're gonna
3: leave. I think it was like <laughs> a week before we were going to leave or something. Oh, so anyway, it all got worked out, but we, we haven't even shared this. The worst part of the story is that same, same as you guys in 2008. So, uh, we're maintaining two households essentially okay. And Craig and his ex-wife had built the most beautiful home, which they could easily afford when they were married. Right. now you're divided and the economy hit and um, for better or for worse as a saving grace, because there were so many fees from the divorce, we had a interest only loan, right? Which seems great. You're never going to pay it anywhere. It was very large. And um, by 2010, Craig was working a lot and not getting paid. The insurance companies were playing games and they would kick back all the claims and deny them. So he was working but no money was coming in. Oh so,
0: similar situation to what I was yeah, going through. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So to sit down and have this conversation of we cannot pay we see what's coming. Mm-hmm. We cannot pay something that we find that we would do.
0: And That's you're the, I, as a, a type humbling. A, as a fellow type A personality, like I, I get it. <laughs> like you just, like you, like every fiber in your being is going, I don't want to be that person. Yeah. I don't want to make that decision. I don't want to be the person that can't fulfill their obligations, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Never. And so we had a conscious decision of, okay, we need to walk away from this home. And you know, the bank didn't want to
2: work with us, nothing. So we tried to refinance and they, they then then they said no mm-hmm. for a lower interest rate. And then we said, Okay, can we do the the um, the reduction thing? So then they do the game of, you know, they want you to pay three months of both uh, principal interest and, and then the insurance and the taxes. And then then they and they hide the money. They don't she would that's very compulsive about checking to see when it gets deposited to the account and they just they wouldn't deposit they want to make it look like we're failing and then um they did a fourth month which is unusual and then they said oh no you're denied you can't be part of the obama whatever plan it was so so we just the only option then was the short sale so that's what we ended up doing
3: well and sort of like what you guys are speaking of you had you had four little kids Mm -hmm, right so mm -hmm. we had Five little kids in the house. So we had a high schooler, what, wow. junior high, elementary, and two babies. And one of the things that we did when we sat down and we knew we were going down, we decided um, we had become very involved in our church because of our oldest daughter. Mm -hmm. actually her youth group. And um, we decided we were going to double our tithe. So we had always given 10%. We were going to give 20% of our income that was coming in because we essentially didn't have a rent or mortgage. We Mm -hmm. were just stopping. And it pretty much immediately changed our view on money. Yeah.
4: Wow. And it
3: didn't get better. It's not like like things got easier. Yeah. (laughs) 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 We just
4: yeah
2: kind of gave it, and said, oh, "Look, we're, we're in with in with you, God," and um, and it came back.
0: You you know, know,
3: it did. So we ended up. Yeah, go
0: ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know, I, I I went through something myself at the time. You know, I I like to call myself now back then a Christian atheist. You know, I'd always believed in God ever mm-hmm. since being a little kid. i I'd, I'd gone to church, etc. But at you know, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, there was not a lot about my life that was living in a godly way at that time, you know, just because of um, all the pressure and the alcohol and everything else I had going on. And so I had to, um, I think God brought me to a place where the only option I had was to surrender. You know, I remember being in my truck, I just pulled up into my office, didn't want to be there, had already had some, uh, I knew I had a problem when I started drinking alcohol in the morning, you know, so my kids used to, used to have Sunny D. I used to put vodka and Sunny D. That was my version of a, of, uh, whatever you call those, uh, sunrise, sunrise, whatever. Yeah, screwdriver, yeah. Yeah, screwdriver. <laughs> So, um, I, I was in the parking lot. Jen was not with me and I just basically surrendered. I just said, I just said, God, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this life anymore. I can't continue to live. I take my business, take my life, take my wife. Like I, I just can't sustain this. Like I just need something needs to change. And I got to tell you, I immediately felt, um, A peace come over me. I felt, um, a release, um, come over me. And I just felt like in that moment, in that moment of surrender, it was almost like I I didn't, I didn't hear anything, but I just reflecting back on it now, it was almost like God said, okay, I got you now. I got you right where I needed you. You're exactly at the point that you need to be to, to come out of this. And, uh, that was the beginning of, uh, really my, transformation, you know, I've not touched alcohol since then. And, and, uh, everything about my life began to change. So I, I, I feel you as soon as you start looking to, to him and start, uh, I think drawing on your faith and moving in that direction, despite Mm -hmm. your circumstance, uh, he can show up, Mm -hmm. like he can show up, Mm -hmm. he can show out.
4: Yeah,
0: absolutely. Uh, So you because we started started doing missions through the church.
3: That same year, we started going on mission trips. So you doubled your tithes, stopped.
0: and then you started doing mission trips. Yeah, time is
3: yeah. Time. Well, a pastor pulled a, a pastor pulled them aside and said, <clears throat> "I hear you're a surgeon. I need you to go on a trip." And we just kind of looked at each other, like, "What?" <laughs> because <laughs> that's not what we do. <laughs> and we've never missed a year. Some years we've gone multiple times. Um, I I first of all, congratulations for not drinking. Um, I think, you know, all these things that we're talking about are uh, all, all these things that appear to be so important in Mm -hmm. our society. Mm -hmm. And yet they really aren't money is essential for Mm -hmm. feeding us and those sorts of things. But we, we look to it like it's going to give us so much more than it's actually going to give us. Mm -hmm. And this week we were talking in the kitchen and I just looked at Craig and said, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens to our society. The best things that ever happened to us were when the market mm-hmm. went bad last yeah. time. Right. And we are completely different people than, than we were then, right? right? So we we managed to short sell the house, which to be honest is a complete miracle because it, it was such a unique home. It, everyone else, you know, that, Kind of had something like that they all foreclosed
4: mm-hmm.
3: um we went on a serious budget I I had I had a car that was a salvage title two different colors of gold <laughs> minivan yeah yeah and so that's yeah and so when people you know I, I think when you're when your heart when your mindset changes mm-hmm you don't care what nope. your car is, and don't get me wrong. I know you like cars. My husband also <laughs> has a very nice car today, so I understand, right? But does it matter? Nope. No, it no. doesn't, does it? Matter, right? Yeah, and so just to have, it changes so much. Yeah, it really does.
0: I, I think that people think that uh, sometimes money is security, and the the reality of it is is through. I think our experience, and it sounds like through your experience um we came to understand that it's not that the only security that we really had was um our faith you yeah. know like i really i think god is your source and mm-hmm. if you always remember he's your source and um you know he's never let me down uh i've i've he hasn't failed me mm-hmm. and so like i i think that that's really you know, an, an ingrained lesson that you learn. I mean, I look back on that time and actually feel like it was one of the biggest blessings in disguise that I've ever had yeah. in my life mm-hmm. going through that time, going through that time when we we essentially lost everything mm-hmm. and that everything was on the table to be wiped clean. And like there was there was just nothing left, nowhere else to turn. Mm-hmm. That was a blessing, you know, because I think you know, we we came out of it um, you know, with unbelievable favor after that. And I really feel like that was yeah. God-given yeah. favor. And it sounds like you guys turned yeah. the corner and uh, came out um, better than before. So why don't you speak to a little bit of that? Tell us a bit, little bit about what, what changed, maybe how long it took to start to change, and then where you guys are now.
2: So I think I'll, I'll go with um, the kids first. Um, you know, I think or the point at which they said this isn't fair to dad, and so one was already 18, um, and so uh, the the whole kid thing, the got transferred to an attorney, uh, appointed by the state or the county, and then immediately I got 50-50, so that was a turnaround. And then we actually had um, co-parenting uh, counseling, which I think helped God. get a lot of the anger from my ex out
4: mm-hmm.
2: um, and then eventually that's just evolved. I mean, we've had birthdays and graduation parties and they have a corné oven in their backyard and, and myself and one of my best friends and through it, our 13 year old would help make the pieces in there with Jim her mm-hmm. fiance. So
3: mm-hmm.
2: it's a big collaboration that we all get along greatly well. So
3: mm-hmm. I, I would love to say real quick too that, you know, if, if you're someone that isn't a split family or is going through um, a divorce or anything like that, the better you can get along for your children, the better your children will be. You you can create a very rough road or a very kind road for them. Yeah. And uh, I, I've seen it done very beautifully. And it's hard because you have to be more mature mm-hmm, sometimes. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to do that. I love yeah, that. that. <laughs> <laughs> My
2: next would be, uh, so um, I think, Hardest job in the world being a mom. I think you can exponentially increase that by being a stepmom because mm-hmm. not only are you kind of a mom, but you're not kind of a mom. You're a friend, which is an advantage, but but you get treated brutally because you're going to go home to mom for mm-hmm. a period of time, and it changes the kid's mindset. And then they come back and they feel guilty if they're being friendly with the enemy, so yeah. to speak. So it's a hard situation for them. Um, and I mean, you have to be incredibly patient and just understand. Mm-hmm. I think my dad taught me to be an empath and put myself in other people's shoes. The more we can do that as individuals, understand why people are acting the way they are, rather than why we feel the way we do. It's, it's hugely important because it just helps figure things out.
3: Yeah. Will you, there's this thing that my husband always says, will you do
2: this steps. So when someone says something, say they call you a name, your first, step is to throw a punch because you just get angry and want to fight. <laughs> take a step take a, take, take a step <laughs> back. Take a step back and go, Okay, why am I feeling angry? So make it personal. And then the third step back is put yourself in their shoes. Where are they coming from? Did someone just die today and you don't know it? Or they get a car accident. Something in their life is occurring. They're going through a divorce or they've got some other problem or something. So you put yourself in their shoes and try to figure out why did they do that? Mm-hmm. What was it that made them that's, that's what my dad
4: taught
1: me. That's great information. That's that's a really yeah. good advice, and I think and, I think
0: and
2: actually my
0: no oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know, it's. It, I think the older I get, the the less I'm susceptible to just immediately react. I yeah. think that's I think that's maturity. I think mm-hmm. it's wisdom. Mm-hmm. But I I think you're right. Like you, I think you have to have enough experiences yeah. to recognize that. You know, every time you've acted that way, it's not necessarily turned out the right way before you desire to change how you react. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. to take that pause to recognize that somebody may be going through something, you know. And I think if you've gone through something yourself, yeah, you know, like what we've been through, it makes you much more empathetic to understand that maybe somebody else is going through that. Exactly. And it's not about you. It's not, yeah, it's not, it's personal. not always
1: about you. Yeah, you know,
0: it's it's maybe about them. And yeah. so to to recognize that it's a very mature mm-hmm response uh that's that's good advice that's yeah. a good perspective i like that
2: yeah i think i've
4: i've,
2: I've always said this and now I, i've realized you know what i haven't been giving my mom credit because unfortunately she was the one that i would do either you know little subtle things like facial expressions rolling your eyes um you know doing something that really yeah. would piss her off I mean, she's irish, so she's an irish born Iron irish catholic so she could wing a good ashtray that's me um <laughs>
1: Irish Italian Catholic right here. Oh, you are? Yeah. I I, I'm yeah. (laughs) I got a little feisty in me. Oh fiery.
4: Yeah.
0: She got (laughs) a lot.
2: That goes back a thousand
3: years
2: (laughs) Yeah. There's another multi-glywall study that
4: that
2: proves that. So
3: I wanna talk to the finance piece a little bit because what happened, we short sold the house um, in the middle of two thousand eleven. And we had a family member that actually helped us purchase the home that we're in now, way under our means, right? Mm-hmm. And then we put it in our name within two years. Um, we It was definitely a, a dark season for probably another year after that. It was very tight financially, you know, still supporting two houses and all of that. But what happened after the, the number of opportunities business-wise for both of us that opened, we are it has multiplied the blessings have multiplied so much wow. um and our giving has continued our time giving has continued we it just changed our perspective on everything we sort of saw outside of our own home we became very purposeful in sharing what we had learned with others uh being positive really being conscious about the negative things that we would allow in our house or not because mm-hmm. there's so much negativity and people people just get energy off of it and it doesn't serve anyone. Mm-hmm. So um, we've sort of become our mission to just love on people everywhere we go. And I mean, we've, <laughs> we went to New Orleans. I haven't ever really shared this story. We went to New Orleans. It was the first trip by ourselves because, you know, we have kids and mm-hmm. we like vacationing with our kids. And um, one of the days we were there, we went and worked and helped to rebuild a home. You know, on some of our trips, we go and we help at a food bank. We're on vacation. But it just gives you perspective to see how how everybody's living. Everybody needs help in some way. Mm -hmm. Right? It's not hard to be a smiling face or offer your time. Oh,
1: gosh, exactly.
3: It's
0: that so is easy. such, such an inspirational mm-hmm. story. I, I mean, I have not thought about donating my time to a food bank on vacation, but mm-hmm. I love that idea. Yeah, That's that's such a give back to people thing to do.
1: Yeah, it's great.
0: Yeah, and I
2: it think- was, we were, we we're left with all the, the <laughs> small parts. Of the drywall that had to be cut through, so <laughs> 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 well, I guess we to a surgeon, right? That's a good- we
3: we had the worst job in this house, and and we had a great day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is that is awesome. I want to speak to something else, though. That you said, I think about uh, positivity, and and it, um, you know, it it it's something that I've really kind of come into being much more aware of and internalizing in the last couple of years. And um, God, I I just had this conversation with my son, and. He's 23, my oldest, and um, I could not believe he already understands this 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 idea that words matter. What you say to yourself, how you say things to yourself, what you think about yourself, what you say to others, what you say in in uh, by yourself. Like when when you send it out there, like if you send out nothing but positivity and optimism, I, I truly believe that comes back mm-hmm. to you. But if you send out, you know, negativity and despair and 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 feelings of being distraught and upset and anxious, then I feel like that comes back yeah. to you as well. So that's part of the reason that um, I'm doing the podcast is to just share words do matter. You know, you can uplift people with just the smallest exchange of yeah. words, or you can beat people down mm-hmm. with the smallest exchange of, of words. Yeah, so why not be that light? Mm-hmm. Why not be that positivity? Yeah. You know? Would you agree? Yeah.
2: yeah, I totally agree. And I think um, that's one of the issues of society today, which is that we get so much negativity that we don't even really think about it from the media. So whether it's Fox, CNN, any of these,
4: have oh, their own no. sin,
2: right? So, or I mean, they sensationalize everything. So they're they're looking for a, a bus full of two year olds that crash and what's the death rate? I mean, they they, they want that
4: because mm-hmm.
2: it, it draws people in. We don't realize how I'm negative. And I'm going through a book called Blink, and Malcolm Gladwell wrote this.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, it's about I have our that subconscious book. and it's thin, we thin- sense life. So we we choose things without even knowing it. There's a tennis pro that can. Almost ninety-eight percent of the time, from something he can't even tell why, uh, can tell if they're going to double fault on a serve in tennis. Any pro, and and the study that that he cites, uh, there were forty in each group, same, same age, same sex. Uh, I know they were all uh, a race of black, and they took two separate surveys to begin this test. And one survey had like what nationality are you or what race are you and some negative connotative things that are about the black culture Mm -hmm. and the other one didn't have that and then they took a trivia test and the ones that had the black negativity test um and they didn't realize that that the test or the questioners were different Mm -hmm. Scored in the low 40s percent getting the questions correct and the ones that didn't have that were 55% so there was a significant standard deviation difference between those two groups and it was all about going into a test where you feel negative and and the cultural connotation of of what being black in America can be uh which shouldn't be that way
4: Mm
2: -hmm. um and so we have negativity we don't even realize affecting the way we behave
1: oh yeah it's
2: Uh, yeah
0: yeah i th- I think uh you know the longer that you 're around and, th- and the more you 've been through, the more you start to reflect that you do have the power to create change yourself and I think part of that is really kind of internalizing uh, your own self worth you know mm-hmm. like i going through what we went through, we ended up filing for bankruptcy in two thousand and nine and you know, I, as a financial advisor and, you know, like, how do you process that? I mean, here, here I am a financial advisor. The only thing that was consolation to me at the time was GM also went bankrupt that same year. So I'm like, okay, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm in good company here, samesies. but
4: <laughs> yeah, same But,
0: um, I think, uh, for me, uh, the, one of the biggest things that I, that I did was I never let it define me. I never, I never internalized it as this means, I'm a failure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I made some decisions that I would have changed and and done differently. And yeah, there's a lot I probably could have done in the preceding 10 years to prevent myself from being in that same situation, which I think we all can speak to that in our lives. We're not perfect and and we learn as we go. But um, I think the biggest thing is that for people that may be experiencing a challenge right now and or um, in in the near future is to to not let it define you. It yeah. does not... Does define it. you it, it, it it's it's a moment in time this is but a season and mm-hmm. the good news is there's another season that will come <laughs> you know and so I think that that's that's a message that uh I hope people hear through yeah. you and and through us as well you you guys went through a season but it didn't stay that way
3: right right, right. and actually the definition that it gave was something completely different to us. it 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 it, it was so influential and so important that it happened to us. And actually we didn't share this, but the home that he had built with his ex-wife, he had a massive amount of family inheritance that went into it. Christ's Mm. parents passed when he was young and he kept his family home for a long time. And this building of a home was a dream they had had. And so he put so much personal money into it and all of that was lost. Uh, Right. And, and, so he would have, I don't think he would have ever walked away from that home because it had sentimental value right, to him. right? And so the way it laid out, what, what ended up happening because of that was we the home we have now, we have a beautiful home. It's mm-hmm. a very nice home, nicer than most people's. But it's so below our means that what we were able to do with that money, it has been so significant mm-hmm. where if we would have, Today we could afford that house very easily, which is the irony. And neither <laughs> one of us wants that house now, right? But, but how it you happens? Have to go yeah. It. yeah, You have to go through it to understand it. Yep. And um, yeah.
0: I think I think you know you not only have to go through it, but you have to. I mean, I, I mean by going through it, you have to go through that um, that loss to recognize that what you thought you needed mm-hmm. is not what you needed right i mean jen, jen and i were, right. were very very similar we 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 had a we had a very very large house at, at one point that was i mean literally my son had to ride after my dad passed away he had to ride an electric scooter to get from one side of the house to the other like it was just <laughs> it was that big
1: it was like over yeah, seven thousand square yeah, feet could, though yeah yeah, yeah. too yeah, our- big
0: our- our- and razor in the. Our kids yes.
1: would razor scooter around. The house. <laughs> so but, yeah, same. and actually, it was fun. People
3: <laughs> loved it. They're like, you have some razor scooter in the house." <laughs> yeah, whatever.
0: <laughs> this is this is true, and I, I think for me though, you know, um, I'm an only child, and and I was raised uh, by a stepfather that uh, did not speak good things to me. He told me I'd never be successful. I'd never amount to anything. And you know, he was never physically ab- abusive, but. um you know, the, those whole yeah. words matter, you know, and so think I think all of my life I, I grew up wanting to prove this man that I had I have not seen and have no idea what happened to him since I was 10. I wanted to prove him wrong. And so the the higher up the income ladder you go, the more you adhere to what you think society you know, expects of you or what you think you should buy and or live in mm-hmm. to meet the mm-hmm. expectation yeah. of quote unquote success yeah. Or, yeah. or whatever. But, you know, I think, um, you know, getting there, I, I I did find myself in a situation where I just, it didn't, it didn't fill the hole. No, whatever, whatever was in me that at that time that was, driving this it wasn't going to be things you know it wasn't going to be a car it wasn't going to be a house it wasn't going to be you know things and and, and those were those were i still was feeling somehow empty and i think that that's where um going through this process jen and i are both the same you know, we live in a house that's that's smaller than what we could afford, and um, I just think that's a it's consci- easier to clean though. Yeah, much easier, <laughs> and uh, and we can't raise her so in No, true. It. <laughs> you know, but I think I think you have to go through that to come out the other side to really kind of. Own the fact that security doesn't come from things. Success is not defined by things. You know, your ability to influence and and change the world has nothing to do with how much money you have. It yeah. has to do with your heart. It has mm-hmm. to do with your perseverance. It has to do with your faith. You know that that's that's the yeah. stuff I learned.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and you made me think of also, um, you know, our that home. It, it was actually embarrassing to have people over sometimes (laughs) because it would change the way that they treated you. And I, yeah. And I, so I always give now when friends say, Oh, we're going to buy such and such. And I just say, be careful what you ask for because it may not be what you think. Mm -hmm. And I, it, it just reminds me how important it is to have just a few close good friends mm-hmm. who you know if you call up, they're going to give you wise advice. Mm-hmm. They're going to give you godly advice because most of what's going to come from general society is not really what's best for us. And yeah. if you have a lot of things, that's great. Go enjoy it. That's okay. But is that where your heart is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? and, and it's very easy to become competitive and that does not serve anyone. No.
0: no. <laughs> we, we went through that. Yeah. We went through that when we stage too. we were first too. married. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. yeah it
1: just is like it was natural yeah. to be yeah. like that
0: so what's what's I the best say it again what would you say
1: i it, i just said it was just natural
0: just, yeah it was just i mean you just felt like you yeah. always had to compete with the joneses oh, i yeah. think and and then yeah. i think that that was yeah. friends that i had and i and i will tell you back in oh eight oh nine, you know when i went through through that uh that challenge um i essentially you got rid of a lot of friends yeah. at that time i mean i literally cleaned house because I had stopped drinking and I had quite a few friends that I knew were not going to follow my path yeah. of stopping drinking. And so like we literally had to kind of retreat. And I think we're at a situation where, where you're right. We've got a handful of people that uh, love us no matter what, mm-hmm. will support mm-hmm. us no matter what, yeah. um, would never judge us. And I don't, I don't we didn't have that at no, that time. We no. did not have, um, we have more of, we have fewer friends now, but mm-hmm. we have more of, those types of people in our life, right. and I feel like we're in, enriched substantially by quality
1: that. quality over quantity. <laughs> I tell my kids that all the time. We're
3: very, we're very similar too, and you know, most of our closest friends have come from either random small groups where they just stood up and we didn't know them, yeah, or mission trips. Yep, yep.
1: Mission trips. Talk about those mission trips. I just saw you guys went on one. Yeah. Wow. You did a bunch of you surgeries know, or something. Uh, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. And the, so, the ironic story is, like, we had just gotten back from Mexico, and Sean had hernia surgery. So it was just, like, it all, like, yeah, it was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah.
0: Hey, yeah. I've, I've had so some of the best care down in Mexico. I, I got to tell you, the, the the care down there, you know, I'm able to, I, get, I went in and had that surgery. So I had a stomach hernia and uh, had the surgery on yeah. it. And the anesthesia, the surgery, the hospital stay, all that kind of stuff. It was like twenty five hundred bucks. That's what it cost (laughs) me. And some of the best care I've ever ever had. They're amazing
1: there. I I mean I can't speak highly enough of them. It's awesome. But yeah, so tell
2: tell Uh, us uh, tell us us what you guys did. Go first, ladies first.
3: Oh, okay. So we've been going now 12 12 trips, I think. So eleven years. Two thousand ten was the first year we went. We've gone to Honduras every single year. Well, some years I've missed because we had little, so Mm -hmm. i go every other year. Um, And then when our youngest was seven, we started taking our kids with us. And people told us we were crazy. It's not Mm -hmm. safe. Don't do this. Uh, We've also gone to Haiti after the earthquake Mm -hmm. and cholera broke out. So we actually, we started a nonprofit that puts in clean water in third world countries. And it came out of that. Um, I heard you say earlier, Sean, that you feel like um, God had been trying to work on something mm-hmm. with you for a while, and you kind of weren't listening. The, the The nonprofit is one of those things that eventually it it the right people showed up to help make it happen. Yeah. But what these trips, um, you know, originally we went to serve, and we do. We work really hard, mm-hmm. but you get so much out of it personally. Um, the, the reminder of what really matters. I just feel like I need it for my soul every year. And our children, we, we travel a lot. Mm -hmm. We're very fortunate. Mm -hmm. Travel is education. Uh, So (laughs) last year, our 13 year old at at bedtime basically was almost in tears and he's not an emotional person Uh and said, this is my favorite thing we do, mom. I love that we get to help people. Oh, my God.
0: Yeah, That is. That is.
3: Yes.
4: That's soul food right there.
3: (laughs) Totally. And I'm like, it's worth every penny. People think, I don't know, it's paid for something, even Doctors Without Borders. It's not. We pay for everything. We get a lot of supplies. We collect. And it's, it's worth every single penny because it reminds you. When you don't have to worry about your schedule or what you're going to eat, uh-huh. it's amazing how present you can be for other people and mm-hmm. the Lord. Mm-hmm.
0: I believe yeah. that. I you believe want
3: that. to your babe. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, so the most most
2: recent trip, <clears throat> we always leave in the middle of the night, and then we land in Houston, and there's a layover. And I'm six foot five. I can't sleep on a plane. If my life <laughs> depended on it. I'm, so five, I'm five five, I can't sleep on one either. On for, yeah. Yeah. I tried going on being on call for like five days in a row where I'm totally exhausted and maybe now I can't fall asleep but still not fall asleep and just get yeah. work. And then um then you kind of arrive there at about tenish and it takes an hour to get to their customs and whatever they're gonna do to you. <laughs> and then uh, we get on a bus used you be know, an old school, you know, school bus.
4: Yeah. And
2: we go four and a half hours to where we're gonna day for the week oh wow and usually that night we just eat and then pray and then mm-hmm. fall asleep and it used to be we had the next day to set up now the last three trips has been there's a half a day that i see about 80 people evaluate them for what they need and this year is kind of the first year that i heard that that i the, the gringo that's tall and gray <laughs> is coming and so <laughs> I, I ended you're up, famous there you know, first, they, yeah, I, yeah. you kind of worry about that because if I had bad outcomes, I think they
3: would <laughs> excuse me. So. No, so they they loved... One of the things I found out on this trip, they said we were waiting for this team. So they loved my husband, which just, you know, makes me so proud oh. because he pours his heart out into these yeah. people. Sorry. Oh,
0: yeah, that's so making a difference. That's awesome. Away.
3: Yeah.
0: yeah. We actually
2: had, for the first time, turn some people away. And then... Um, but I ended up doing... Forty hernias and four gallbladders, and then four other things. Lumpy wow, that is but, um,
1: incredible! Yeah, so,
2: and that's in four, four and a half days. So that's ten cases a day. You know, wow. 10 wow. 10. In the first gallbladder I did, took three hours to do because I can't open. It's not. It's an outpatient surgery thing, so yeah. pressure's on. One, it was. You know, it was a test test of fortitude
3: so I want to say really quickly this is this is shows how things can multiply and duplicate so we were asked to go I think it was the second year this organization had started and it was started by a Matt facial surgeon that lived in Pennsylvania uh-huh. he owns his own hospital he does very well he had a couple very high-end cars and it wasn't fulfilling and he said you know what let's sell these cars and let's start something so he goes down there to this very rural area of Honduras there's no The closest hospital is actually in Guatemala, and it's a four-hour drive if you have a vehicle to get there. And so there's essentially no medical care. Mm. Well, he added a surgery center, and then it added on to having a delivery, like an OB delivery area. And then a little dental clinic was added on. And then the government said, okay, we'll staff and have medical people. And then our nonprofit put in clean water there for the clinic and the village. And then Bill Gates Foundation came in, and they said... We want to build a resource area for these women to come before and after they have their baby so that they can be safe. And then somebody just still needs an ultrasound machine. So for the first time they have that, it's all these people are wow. bringing their different skills. And so yeah. in 15 years, this community is incredibly blessed with whoever can show up and just offer their skills. And people that have no hard skills, I'm not medical, are absolutely used and get so much fulfillment from doing these types yeah. of trips yeah
0: I, I believe it what is the what is the name of your nonprofit? by the way let's let's plug that what you
3: oh the Quenching well say that again clenching that's the Quenching well so we put in um we we um only work with christian organizations either outright or behind the scenes that work with locals and know who is in need the most. Mm-hmm. We employ locals to put in the clean water and education. A lot of times it's restrooms, things like that, and we guarantee that they will be maintained. There are a lot of um, communities that put in water and then don't maintain them, and it actually does more harm to mm-hmm. those communities. Oh, yeah. But it, it really is the number one woman's right. If you care about women, Um, Young children Mm -hmm. and women are going to the wells by themselves wherever they can or the local water spigot, and it puts them at huge risk for being trafficked. It also prevents them from getting an education, and so they remain impoverished where the boys are allowed to go to school. So if we can get water, which we have the technology and the money, there's no reason we can't have clean water everywhere. Um, The number one killer of kids under five is parasites from Mm -hmm. unclean water. That will be gone. Children can get education. And then we can focus on other things like food and hope um, so that they can provide for themselves. Right? Yeah.
0: So so I was just going to ask one question. So in in the midst of all of the challenges that you went through some years back, 2010, 2011, 2012, you know, uh, did you ever think— that life would be such that in such a short period of time later, that you would be forming a nonprofit, donating your time, helping people in need, finding clean water for, Mm -hmm. you know, women and children and, and people in general. I mean, I just, I look at what has happened since you went through what you went through and just marvel at what you've been able to accomplish. Mm
3: -hmm. It's incredible. Never, never. never We, and I mean, I think we've always been nice people, but just, selfish people. Mm-hmm. We're, we're naturally selfish, right? We are completely different people mm. than we were.
0: Wow. That is awesome. That is a really, really yeah. awesome story. Yeah. So I have, so, I have, uh, the, go, go ahead.
4: Okay.
2: No, I just two two things. One was our second trip, which was to Haiti a year after the earthquake. And so um, God shows up in a very purposeful way. Mm-hmm. So that's the amazing thing I get out of all of these trips, whether it's a photo that you can't explain the light to, mm-hmm. or um, in Haiti, they had a schoolroom that was the cholera clinic. Because remember, the UN, one of the Asian UN troops from in cholera, and the world was responding. And we were already there. And they were in the wrong place. They were in Port au Prince, and we were the northwest, closer closest to Cuba. And that's where they were. They were piling in about 200 to 300 people a day. We assembled. A gigantic army tent that repairs tanks and stuff as the people who could hydrate by mouth and take the antibiotics. And then the schoolroom was for IVs and the antibiotics IV. Mm-hmm. And there were these less than one year olds that had sunken eyes. and
3: It was awful. Uh, Don't cry. Don't hold cry. on. <laughs> He's crying differently. Yeah,
4: I can't even anyway,
2: imagine. The, had like three paramedics, a pediatrician. Uh, they couldn't get IVs in, the, in, in these little kids. And
4: mm-hmm.
2: so I go to this table that's sitting there, and there's gloves, and there's alcohol preps, and there's all this stuff. And then I see this brown box. And I go, what? What is that? And it's a box of 14-gauge solid needles.
4: Those like, are cool. I don't know.
2: Is veterinary stuff to <sighs> inject a horse in the rump with an antibiotic? Whoa. I don't know. But then it, it occurs to me, which is that little voice in your head, and we know who that is. Yep do an I.O. It's an interoctus. We do it for trauma. We do it in kids that so we can't get IVs in. It's in the States. It's a little screw. It has a gun that you, you drill this, this uh, needle into their tibia. Mm. And now you can give food to the bone marrow. Right. So the first kid I did did not even move. And oh my God. I remember going through the front of the bone and then aspirating the marrow. And then that, that kid got fluid and then had veins that the paramedics could put an IV in. And so, that was my calling on because we didn't have anesthesia. I couldn't Whoa. do any big surgeries of any kind. So
0: that that was my calling. Wow.
3: Yeah. He always shows up, right? God will yeah. always use you if you just let yourself be available. If you listen.
0: So I'd like to I'd like right. to ask you both right now, just um, you know, certainly somebody that's listening is feeling you know, extremely anxious, um, maybe worried, maybe feeling despair, maybe feeling like they don't have hope. So I'd like each of you to, um, you know, just share the best wisdom that you can regarding, um, you know, the situation that you went through when you felt like that and what's on the other side. Let's, let's see if we can't be encouraging.
2: Um,
3: I think, you know, the best you can do is find out what others' needs are and pray for them. Because mm-hmm. if you get outside of yourself, it helps you. Mm-hmm. God already knows your worries. He already knows all of your prayers. And to take the time, just take time. It's okay to be upset. It's okay to be worried. Mm-hmm. But realize that dwelling on that is not going to serve you at all. You know, yeah. I've said it, it's super type A. Trying to control all the things I can't control is not going to do anything for me. And so if we can stop and be still, which many of us are forced to be right now, Mm -hmm. um, there's so much opportunity, so much opportunity in that. And I promise that whatever you're going through right now. There will be beauty that comes from it and there will be purpose from it. I am not a journaler. I don't really like to write. It's Mm -hmm. probably one of the best things you can do Mm -hmm. because you can look back and see how God shows up, where you were feeling, um, how you've prayed for others. It's very, very helpful. Even gratitude. Mm -hmm. What were you grateful for today? Because there's always something to be grateful for. Oh, yeah.
0: That's great perspective. Thank you. Yeah. She kind of stole mine. No. <laughs> I'm sure you got ideas, your own kernels yeah. there. You, you got some good words. Yeah, I know I, it. I, I feel I, it.
2: <laughs> yeah, so we we have you know we have some friends that are, they they have anxiety and they have um they're depressed and those things and we've we've discovered that what Seth just said that is I mean h- almost 100 percent of humanity prays even atheists pray so I don't care what what belief you have mm-hmm. if you just pray for somebody else. It, it does. It does something to you. Yeah. It, 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 you get the spirit inside of you. It's like mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever gone to a Starbucks drive-through and you pay for the person behind you. Yeah. Yeah. You, you don't know who it was. You don't know. You know what you paid. And I mean, you, there's a glee that you get from doing that. So, mm-hmm. or the I guess the other thing would just go out and try and help some folks. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, if you know that there's an older person somewhere on your block that should be not getting out because of the current environment mm-hmm. and go knock on the door, stand six feet away and say, Hey, can, you got food? Are you okay? Can I do something for you? Yeah. I mean, serving for other people fires up that holy spirit in your, in your, in your own presence and soul, man. So that's what I would recommend.
0: That is, that I is great know. advice. Yeah. And,
2: and just understand that, especially if you're a faith, that, I mean, we're not of this world, you know, I mean, this is, we're going through and we're here to love our neighbor and to to love God. So doing that, I think will take your mind Mm -hmm. completely out of where you are. I mean, I'm blessed every day because I go in and I see people on ventilators and they're fighting for their life. And by the grace of God, I'm not that person. So every day I get a reality check on where I am.
3: Well, and to be very candid, you know, we're not exempt or beyond this. My husband, essentially on the front lines yeah. and this virus is picking up where we are and so we have had to have some very serious conversations in mm-hmm. our home and so we also have to be mindful of not allowing a fear-based um thing to take over because we know what True and what's not true, right? Yeah, yes. Yeah.
0: So you can't you can't have a spirit away. of fear. A spirit of fear is not from God, and so the reality of it. Word, you know, the enemy would like nothing more than to to have you fearful and feeling desperate and uncomfortable. And I think you just got to you, you got to put on your uh, your armor of God and and move forward in what you're skilled and and in, in the gifts that He's given you and and uh, serve people. And I I think that's what you're doing. And thank you, Craig, for. I mean, I I really do Beautiful. want to say. You know that I, I that I understand. I hear the stories. I read the stories of people across the country being on the front lines. Medical staff, you know, being um, you know in a, in situations where they don't have enough of the, uh, protective gear and masks mm-hmm. and, uh, other things that they need to, to perform their jobs. And I just want to just say, thank you for being on, you are the warriors on the front lines of this. And so without you, um, you know, we'd all be lost, but I, I, I know you'll say it's, you know, just your job and, you know, it's, it's the talents that you have <laughs> yeah. and, and the gift and the schooling and that kind of stuff, but you know, you still takes, uh, it still takes a special person. It takes yeah, courage it really to does. to go out there. I mean, this is an unseen Enemy that is killing people throughout the world, and um, you know, I just can't thank you enough for for, yeah. for being on the front lines of it.
2: Yeah. Well, thank you, thank you.
0: Well, thank you guys so much for you. your stories and your words of encouragement, mm-hmm. and you know, um, everything that you shared. I mean, I can't help but think that somebody that. Might listen to this, can't feel, um, you know, uplifted yeah. and encouraged. I, I
1: was kind of at a loss of words, just enjoying I this. I was like, "This, you is...
0: inspired me." Yeah, I mean, exactly. Like, I'm like here I, going, was, okay. oh. I said, we got we got to start a nonprofit. We got to go serve people I mean, right nobody now. Nobody
1: can ever make me be quiet, but I was literally pretty you were
0: you were unusually quiet yeah, today. Aren't you proud of me? I am. <laughs>
1: I did good. (laughs) No, you guys are awesome. Such an inspiration, both of you. And, you know, Steph, I follow you on Facebook. And so I see all the wonderful things you're doing and, you know, the homeschooling, the working out. And it's just, it's incredible. I I love happy, positive people. And you are definitely that shining light. So keep doing you. Well,
3: Thank you. And and is a whole other subject. I mean, <laughs> I never would have done that. And God is like, you're going to do this. I'm so, sending my kids know? to your
2: house. <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay, I'll oh, take them. I love boys. <laughs> Careful, man. We
2: were working at Bunsen burner yesterday, so if you're okay with yeah.
3: fire, we didn't blow up the house. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing.
0: <laughs> I think Jen has already said that our kids have graduated. They're out of yeah. school right now, so they're, she, they're, she, she's, she, she, she,
1: she, she, yeah, they're done. They're <laughs> like out of college. They're all Yale. Graduates. I think we should pay all teachers
0: a million bucks. That's, that's what I think. This, this stuff is not easy to do.
1: Yeah. So good job on doing (laughs) that. Like you're amazing. Like I said. Oh,
3: thank you. Thank you. We appreciate you having us on. Thank you so
0: much. Well, Jen, I don't know about you, but I think I got a lot more than I bargained for out of that interview. That was awesome. I'm like, I'm filled with (laughs) inspiration and hope talking to Stephanie and Craig. What, what an awesome couple.
1: I, I told you they'd be amazing um i I just feel so inspired. I think it was like I said the first time that I'm just like in awe of just listening to them,
0: yeah like, what they're doing I think yeah. I think the message of you know like if you're feeling hopeless, yeah, serving other people, recognizing the needs of others, mm-hmm. praying for others, and look what they've done I mean yeah. they went from really kind of financial you know catastrophe yeah to a nonprofit charity doing mission mm-hmm. trips around the world and, you it, know, more financial success than they had ever before right. in their lives. I mean, it I think that's an inspiration.
1: It definitely left me feeling like I need to do more or I can <laughs> do more or I want to do more. Like
0: I, I feel a little inadequate.
1: Yeah. I it just, it, honestly, like I can't even speak. It was just really, really inspiring and just great people out there. And I know they're going to uplift and inspire our listeners as well because they inspired me and you. you.
0: Agreed. You know what it makes me want? Mm. I want to hear more stories like that. So if you're listening right now, if you've got somebody that you feel could be um, a great inspirational story, somebody that can share, that's Mm -hmm. been through the fire and come out on the other side better and bigger than they ever were before, We want to hear that. And if you also know of anybody that um, maybe needs a little hope Mm -hmm. in their life, maybe would like to talk with us and maybe get some encouragement and some support, we're we're more than willing to do that as well.
1: Reach out to us on Instagram at Hope Radio Podcast. Um, Leave us a message or whatever you need to do. If you have a story, if you need some uplifting encouragement, um, we would definitely love talking to you. I mean, let's chat.